0: We're going to be reading from James this morning, because uh, I think there's an incredibly important teaching, but before I say why, I want us to, to turn to the Bible, to the, to the Word of God that guides us, that instructs us, and that teaches us. So let's read from James chapter 1, verses 2 to 8, and we're also going to read verse 12. Um, James chapter 1, verses 2 to 8 and 12. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. And verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let's just pray. Thank you, Lord, that we have this tremendous privilege to come together in your house this morning under your name. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us on the cross. Thank you that you rose again to redeem us, to set us free. And I pray, Lord, as we, as we unpack this difficult scripture this morning, that, Holy Spirit, you would encourage us, you would strengthen us, and you would enable us to endure so that we too might receive the crown of life. That the Lord has promised, in Jesus' name, Amen. I can't help but but notice that the the world is a little bit negative right now. Now, don't be too enthusiastic in saying yes, um, otherwise I'm going to expect equal enthusiasm for other things I'm saying. But I can't help but notice people are a little bit defeated. You know, and every time there's a, a Lockdown or no, not lockdown, blackout. What do we call it? Load shedding. Let's see where my mind's at. But every time there's a load shedding or another level, it just seems to get us down just a little bit more. And, and which is really unfortunate because I think as Christians, there's a little bit of a doctrine that has crept into our churches that's not very biblical. And that's the, the idea that everything good is God, which is correct. Praise God for that. But we also think the opposite is true, that everything, everything, listen to the word, everything bad is the devil. This is kind of what has, has crept into our churches. And we, we believe totally that, that, man, if it's bad, it's evil. And some go the extra step. So, so whenever something bad happens or there's a trial or a temptation or, or maybe just a difficult spot, every time that happens, our response should be just to, to go against it to take authority in the spiritual realm and pray these things out. Uh, Get ready. I'm going to step on some toes today. Are you ready? But every time, then we just, no, 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 because we're allowing Satan a foothold. That's the, the terminology we use. And then we come and we stand against this and we come and we pray against it in faith. And listen, don't get me wrong. We should pray in faith. We should. And we should Pray just like Jesus did, Lord, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Let this cup pass from me. But you and I both know very, very well that praying like this doesn't return the world to a sense of poetry and unicorns. Anyone experience that? Something bad happens, man, if I just sprinkle some Jesus powder on it, then all of a sudden, unicorns are prancing around my house again. (laughs) But we both know that's not true. You and I have both experienced that this is not the reality. And I get it. I, I'm, I mean, this is a difficult thing to accept and understand. And before I go into what the Scripture is saying, before we unpack James's very, very, very difficult message, a Scripture that, that is maybe not as I say, stitched on a pillow too often. Um, this is not the one I find on people's walls. You know, this is not their, their, their Facebook you know, banner. When trials come, I'll be joyful. This is not what we're, we're saying. But people who profess that, if we just pray, has, has usually read a lot of self-help books. You know, the whole, you know, you know, making millions with the Messiah type of books, you know, that's out there. But, but and if it's not out there, I'll write one because that sounds like a catchy title. Um... But I feel like sometimes these people have have failed to read the inspired, infallible word of God. Because when I read this, I read somewhat of a different message, and I'm going to be straight with you. The idea that all suffering, all trials, all pain can be prayed away is unbiblical. It's unbiblical. The idea that we can just stand against these things and they have to run away from us. I'm not talking about the demonic. I'm talking about trials, temptations, and hardships. The idea that they will just fade away, that's unbiblical. It's a lie. And we're going to correct that this morning because we're going to just be talking about trials and temptations. That, that's it. That's what we're talking about. i have good news for you as well. We're talking about this for two weeks. Now you're thinking, Han, I'm not coming next week. That's uh, this is, I mean, this is not what I want to hear. I want to hear you saying we can just take authority. But, but as soon as we go into this, we'll have to admit the reality that James is teaching something a little bit different here. James, the brother of Jesus, James, the man who wrote this incredible, incredible letter on how to endure. Now, the reality of trials is something we have to just affirm. We have to go over it. We have to realize that that it is a part of Christian life. It is a part of our Christian experience. But it doesn't mean we have to succumb to it. It doesn't mean we have to be dominated by it. It doesn't mean that there's not hope. But rather than saying, hey, these things shouldn't happen, we should rather say, hey, how can we make sense of it? Because if we think, listen, and I'm going to say this again, if we think these things must just disappear, then we're understanding Christianity better than Jesus did. Christ, as in the Christ of Christianity. If we think these things will just fade away, we understand it better than Paul, better than Timothy, better than James. We understand it better than all these guys who were martyred, murdered, hung upside down, burned, boiled in pots for this message. We obviously know something they didn't. Or... They knew something we have to realize. And I'm going to suggest it's not the former, it's the latter. I'm going to suggest there's something in this that will bring us hope, that will bring us strength, that will help us endure these trials that you and I will face. And that is what I want to do. I want to get us to a place where we can overcome this, not ignore it until it becomes so much we can't bear it anymore. I want us to get to that place. And this passage in James, it starts off with this incredible statement. Consider it pure joy, all joy, nothing but joy, supreme joy when trials comes your way. I want to read it from the New Living Translation as well. It says in just verses 2 and 3, Dear brothers and sisters, when, pause, when, not if, not in the rare case of, when, Troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, now this is a confusing thing for me, uh, because in my natural inclination, I do not want to accept that trials... And joy go hand in hand. I don't. I also don't want to accept that without trials, I will never be perfect and complete, needing nothing. But these are both realities that we have to grapple with. And, and, and to get this, this possibility of joy, man, the trial side doesn't really excite us so much, does it? I mean, no one here this morning, I'm not expecting anyone to go, Yo, I can't wait for the trials of this week, Right. <laughs> Bring on them temptations, you know. That's a, I don't expect that to be our, our, our first response. But James' teaching has to be accepted here. It has to. We have to get to that place of saying, well, in our understanding, maybe we have to admit that we have been more influenced by this utopian idea of the world that everything must be perfect and everything must be good, rather than the reality of brokenness that will always come with trials, temptations, persecutions, suffering. If we don't accept this, and this is where, where it's so important, Because James is not talking about instant gratification. He's not trying to to get us to a place of joy now. He's not trying to get us to this place of take the red pill and everything will be great. James is not talking about this this instant thing. James, James is talking about an extended state of well-being. James is talking about an extended state of well-being rather than a temporary feeling of happiness or of pleasure. And here, I think, is one of our first clues to where we get stuck. I think we have become increasingly living in the temporary. I think increasingly all we, even as Christians, have fallen pla- prey to, is I want to be happy right now. I want what I want right now. I mean, if God is a good God, then He'll give me what I want right now, wouldn't He? But we have lost our idea of an eternity that awaits us. We have even lost our idea of not just now, but maybe tomorrow, in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years, because we've gotten comfortable in the temporary, But what we're talking about now is about an extended state of well-being. So now we, we recognize, you and I both know this, that the reality of trials and temptations is not something we can ignore in our lives. It's not. It is something the Bible speaks of again and again and again and again. In fact, there are many letters written exactly to the purpose of enduring under these trials. But the second part of it is you have to face them. The second part of this is, is, I know, listen, I know it's just not the easiest thing to accept because the, of the view, you know, everything, everything bad is of the devil. But, but I feel like there's two big reasons that this lie of, of everything bad is evil has disappointed us. Two big reasons why this lie has brought us incredible disappointment. Number one is because we have stopped understanding why the mountains don't move. And I've seen people fall away from the faith because, man, the mountains I'm praying for didn't move. My big question is who said they would? Why, why are we under this, this idea that the mountain should always move? I mean, I know that there are many of you, if not every one of you, right now in this room, online, You're thinking, Han, if you only knew. Because I saw people coming in all happy and joyful. But I know under a thin veil, many of us are struggling. Many of us are mourning. Many of us are tired. Many of us are this far from giving up. But we come into church and it's, hey, brother, hey, sister. Saints of the good Lord, which is all true but I know under the surface there are cracks forming. And we get disappointed because we're not understanding why these mountains aren't moving. And the second reason I believe we're getting incredibly disappointed in this lie being being taught is because we're not actually growing anymore. Because trials is intended to bring growth. And if you don't engage in the trial, you don't receive the growth. There's an incredible song written by Benjamin Hastings, and I think he's an incredible songwriter. And he says, you know, sometimes faith is walking up the mountains that didn't move. But I would rather suggest most of the time, faith is walking up those mountains that aren't moving. Faith is walking those mountains that are still moving standing. Listen, by prayer, I have experienced God moving mountains. I have. I've seen God do phenomenal things. I have. But I've also had many mountains that He said, no, Hein, that's there for you to cross. You need what that mountain's going to give you. And that is one of the key things that, that trials and temptations bring is growth. And I want to take us back to primary school, if you want. For just a moment, we're going to go back to primary school. When we learn about butterflies and those little worms that dig in the dirt, that, that you know, go through this process of becoming beautiful butterflies. I mean, they become... Have you ever looked at a butterfly? Anyone ever looked at a butterfly? If you have it, next time you go to the caves... Just stop by that, the short right there before you get to the top. They've got beautiful butterflies in a cage that they murdered and put on display. But um, I'm joking. They, they, I want to say they died of natural causes, but uh, I mean, be that as it may. But, but when you enjoy the incredible, intricate beauty of a butterfly, it is just phenomenal. It is just absolutely phenomenal. But you and I also know, by the way, that if we had to get involved in the process, if we had to take that chrysalis and and break it open out of a good intention to help that poor struggling butterfly, but he was struggling high, and we help him out, you and I both know, and I double-checked this again, it is true that helping them dooms them forever. As soon as you step in and you take away its biggest trial, you cause it never to be able to fly or do what a butterfly should. As soon as you step in, as soon as you go, oh, I'm just going to make it a bit easier for this butterfly, you doom it forever. Now I have to ask the question, would God be that good if he took away your trials and doomed you forever? I know this is not popular. These are not the kind of teachings that sells books. I promise you that much. But at the end of the day, this this simple truth of process is vital for progress. And so many of us so often want to skip the process, not engaging in it, grumbling through it that we never actually grow through it to get to the progress. And this is what trials give us. This is what it offers us. It offers us means of growth. We all know this. This is a simple truth, but without resistance, without trials, without temptations, without discomfort, you and I won't grow. Imagine we went into the gym this week for all of those of you who gym and you just go, guys, let's just put all the weights down. It's heavy." Let's not go through heavy things in life. You'd be wasting your time. The stronger you want to get, the more weight you need to put on. Not not here. Here. Let me just, I just want to clarify. I'm not talking about this way. I'm talking about this way. And the principles of life is exactly the same. If you want to go stronger... You're going to have to climb those mountains of trials, temptations, sufferings. There's no way around it. There's no way around it. Sometimes we look at people and we see the difference between those taking mountains and those who don't. And we say, Oh, I wish I had that anointing. Actually, you must pray, Oh, I wish I had that commitment. I wish I had that sacrifice. I wish I too would rather than crumble under the shadows of the mountain have the courage to take it. I wish I had the courage to take it. That's the simple truth here. You won't get stronger. You won't get fitter. You won't get smarter. You won't get wiser by laying on a beach. And I want to lay on beaches just as much as the next guy. Let's be honest. Umbrella, cold Coke tell, that sounds good, but that's not where you grow. That's not where you gain experience. That's not where you gain relationship. Not a chance. So I'm not at all, at, listen, I must make this clear. I'm not trying to, to explain that, that God ordains evil. Not a chance. God is not tempted by evil. But God does allow trials and temptations in our lives because he knows how good it is for you. God makes you eat your veggies. That's it. He makes you eat your veggies. If God just gave us cupcakes and, and milkshakes all week long, we'll be around all week, but, but around. But God makes you eat your veggies. Because it's good for you. It's not, it's not because as a father he doesn't love us. It is because he loves us that he makes you eat your veggies. And maybe you're like me, but I kind of enjoy salads and greens. Anyone else? Or got to, Thank you so much. There's one or two people like Han. We're with you. The rest are like Han. Mm-mm. Last week, was you gave us Easter eggs at church, and now you want to come and talk about salad? Well, guess what? Today, everyone's getting lettuce. I'm joking. I quite enjoy it, but I enjoy much more how good it is for me than the actual taste of it. I mean, no natural person would choose to bite into a head of lettuce unless they knew how good it was for you. Amen? Sometimes, trials is the lettuce. It's the broccoli of life. But in this trial, in this trial, I want to just... There is an incredible promise. There's an incredible promise because James doesn't stop with saying, hey, you guys are going to suffer until next time. Um, That would have been a horrible way to end this letter. He doesn't end there. But from verse 5 to 8, James goes on to say, If any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed in the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. What an incredible promise that, that with this reality of trials comes the promise of wisdom within it. Isn't that? Pause for a moment. Because God's not going to leave you alone in this. And that's what James is saying. That's the very promise he's making here. He's saying, hey, you have to accept. I'm sorry, guys, but but this is the reality. There is trials coming. And you need to change your mind about it. Because this joy, he's like, you should consider an opportunity for joy. In other words, change your mind about your trial. Change your mind about it. Think again. Go home. Go take a moment. Sometimes we need to allow ourselves 24 hours just to sulk a little bit. Get over ourselves. Anyone else that needs 24 hours every now and then? too. Me too. I allow myself sometimes 24 hours. But the next morning I get up out of bed. I make my bed. I put my big boy pants on. And I face my trials. Because I've changed my mind about it. I changed my mind about it. And then he says, hey, in your trial." God promises wisdom. How incredible is that? How incredible is it that that any and every trial, every test, every temptation we might face, God promises wisdom to enable us to face these things with pure joy. How incredible is that? And this is not wisdom that's acquired through experience in life. This is wisdom that is, I believe, practical from God with spiritual implications. I believe this is practical wisdom. And when we're facing these kind of storms in our lives, these kind of issues in our lives, God will give us the wisdom we need to see it through to completion. But, but this is important. Listen to me here. You need to do it His way. And, and that's why it's saying don't be double-minded in this. Don't be tossed to human wisdom or personal experience in this. If you're asking God to show you how to do something, do it. Even when it doesn't make sense, otherwise don't expect anything from Him. And this is what it takes you. It takes this commitment to saying, God, I'm stuck in front of this mountain, but I promise I'm going to do it your way. I need you to tell me what step to take. I need to tell me, you need to tell me you know, what to do about this. I don't know what to do about this morning I'm experiencing with the loss of a family member or something like that. I don't, know. I don't know what to do about this issue at work. I don't know what to do about these questions I have. I don't know what to do about this. But when you pray that prayer, expect an answer and then listen to it. I know that sounds so elementary, but, but so often what we do is we take the easy way. We take the road of, of least resistance, right? It's like, God, I need your, your help. And then God says, go make peace with people. And you say, I'm just going to lay low. God says, go and have a conversation with your boss. And you say, I'm just, gonna, I'm just not going to ruffle any feathers. I'm just rather going to be passive aggressive towards my husband. I'm just rather going to give up. My schooling or my studies. I, I'm, just rather, I'm just rather not going to go to church. I, I'm, just, I'm just rather going to deal under the table. I've got a financial issue. It will sort out my financial issues, won't it? Cheat on my taxes because, well, then, God, thank you for the money. <laughs> Whoops. Next week we're talking about doing your taxes, all right? We're going <laughs> to e-filing. I'm joking. But if you're praying for God to give you wisdom and peace in your trial, don't expect the bottle to give you what you're asking God for. Don't expect escapism, easy ways, false teaching (laughs) to give you what you're asking God for. Because here's an important principle in this. And listen, again, I just want to confirm what I'm saying in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Such a beautiful scripture. And it says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Hey, don't sulk too much. You're not alone. Everyone's going through trials. See that? It's not only you. Amen? Everyone faces hardships. No different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure, not escape. Endure. Not run away from. Endure. Go through. Go over. So that you can endure. But an important thing you need to notice here that that this is only possible in partnership. God wants to be the person you rely on. Trials are impossible without Him. And He's never going to give you a way out, as 1 Corinthians says, that excludes Him. Even in James, it says, hey, pray to God and He will give you the wisdom. And then do what He says. Here it says, hey, He will be with you. He will give you a way out to make you endure. And this is the first thing, and this is an important point because so often when we face trials, the first thing we do is we isolate ourselves. We think it's just us and we have it the worst, and no one else has ever had it as bad as what we have it right now. Because look how I stumped my toe. No, no one knows my suffering. But he says, wait a second. Don't go curl into a little ball in a corner and feel sorry for yourself. God will be with you, but it is only possible in partnership. We love quoting the psalm that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. But then he says, why? And he says, for you are with me. You are with me. The reason we don't have to fear, we don't have to doubt, we don't have to shrivel into little balls when we face these things in our lives is because you are with me. And I want to remind you of that this morning. Next week, we're going to look at the practicals of how to start facing your trial. This week, I want to remind you, trials are here to stay. I'm sorry about that. But there is a promise that there's an almighty God, a spirit that has anointed us, that is with us in our trials. He is with you. He is with you. Han, i I've tried to sort it out. Stop trying to sort it out and start looking towards God. He is with you. Han, i I've tried everything. Stop trying everything and turn your face to God. He is with you. Han, i I've, I've even thrown money towards the problem. I've, I've even you know, given divorce papers. I, I've tried everything here. He is with you. He's with you. So often we try to solve our issues before acknowledging the Creator God that's in it with us. And it's in the shadow of His presence that we find rest. Not in the absence of trials. Not in the absence of doubts. Not in the absence of issues. The Bible does not say that the absence of hardships is my refuge says, my God is my refuge, and I will run to Him. I will run to Him. See, when we're in the thick of it, when everything is shaking, when, when we can't make sense of it, when we have to deal with, with the difficulties of this life, when we have to deal with these questions, when we have to deal with the anger that we feel when we have to deal with suffering and loss, maybe loss not just of a loved one, loss of dreams, loss of hopes, maybe when we have to deal with situations that only seems to get worse when we're struggling. Those are the times when the first thing we must do is not make plans, but the first thing we must do is turn our face towards heaven and say, Lord, I thank you that I know you are with me. I know you are With me in James 1 verse 12, and I read it with this morning. It says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. See, this relationship with God is always, always central. See, we're going to walk out of here in just a minute, maybe join for a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Go write our names on the the membership form right outside underneath the stairs. Next week, we'll talk about how to face those trials. I'm going to give you practical advice on how to start facing those difficult things in life. Yeah, practical advice from the Bible. But this week, I want you to walk out with one thought. He is with me he is with me you know that's the same thought that made david go against goliath it's the same thought that joshua had when he said now we can take them we can take them but there's a couple of giants, whatever, we've got God on our side. And I believe it's the same thought that can give me and you courage today to look upon these hills, these mountains, these giants and say, well, He is with me. Let me pray for you. Thank you, Lord, that, that even though in this life we will have troubles, that you are with us. You give us the strength to endure and to overcome. You give us the wisdom to know what to do. And I also want to thank you, Lord, that that we know this morning that you know what is best for us. You know the, the promise that some of these trials have for us. You know what we need to become strong, healthy, complete, perfect. And I just pray that this morning you would give us the strength, Lord, that you would give us the the ability to look at our trials and to consider an opportunity for joy because, Lord, you are with us. Lord, I want to thank you that we can know that you will guide us through, that you will give us the strength. And that you will never leave us or forsake us. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that this week you would remind us again and again and again and again that you are with us. Thank you, Lord, for this moment we could spend together. Thank you, Lord, for this incredible letter in your Bible from James. I pray, Lord, that it would continually encourage us to take the mountains, to endure so that we too might receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised us. In Jesus' name, amen.